today on Growth Mindset University. When you have an audience established, you can't have a minimum viable product. Like, yeah, when I was starting a podcast, I put out something horrible. It sucked. And I could do that because my audience was zero. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. Recently, I was interviewed on a podcast called Innovation and Leadership. It features a lot of star-studded guests like the CEO of Zoom, uh, the CEO of NASDAQ, and so many more. And I'm very grateful that Jess Larson approached me to be a guest on the podcast as well. I highly recommend that you listen to that podcast, Innovation and Leadership. It's pretty good. I've listened to several episodes and like I said, had the pleasure of being on an episode and I'm posting that episode here today on Growth Mindset University. Uh, I've been interviewed on other podcasts over 60 times at the very least. And I don't post any of them here. Like I just don't do that. But this one was so good because Jess was an incredible interviewer. Very good questions is something that I really hadn't talked about before. See, a lot of people come to me with the question, you know, on other podcasts and in real life, they come to me and ask me, Jordan, what is the one thing that you've learned from all your podcast guests? What is the one underlying theme? And I can't answer that question. My brain does not end up finding a good answer to that question. Uh, sometimes I end up saying something stupid. Sometimes I end up saying, I don't know. In fact, most of the time I say that. But Jess asked about individual guests for almost an hour People like James Altucher, Robert Greene, Derek Sivers, Naveen Jain, Dan Millman, Amanda Slavin, Alex Benayan, uh, Rand Fishkin. And he was curious about those people and my experience with them behind the scenes and the lessons that I've learned from them, the takeaways. And the way he just went down the list and, and questioned me on those people, he got the best out of me and it was the best that I didn't know I even had. So I just find this episode to be a great recap of the podcast thus far in the almost two and a half years that I've been doing it. And in these two and a half years, I really thank you for taking this journey with me. And let's not forget what this journey is about, what this podcast, Growth Mindset University, is about. This is all about learning the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. And that's exactly what I've been doing over the past two and a half years and what you've been doing too. I've been putting these into action, gaining tools and techniques and strategies and different mindsets and perspectives from each guest on the podcast. And it is compounded into a whole lot of change over the years. And it's going to continue to compound that in a way that I can't even imagine for both of us. And as this podcast has gone on over these years, this cause has only gained more steam. And I'm not talking about Growth Mindset University. I'm talking about 
education, people have been realizing more and more that this is a gigantic problem. The lessons that we're not learning in school, the, the, the mountain of debt that people are being saddled with, it's now at about 43 million Americans owing an average of $38,887. And what are we getting out of it? So many people, someone messaged me today, Jordan, I wish I didn't go. I feel the same way. Uh, I saw a tweet today too, with 31,000 likes and 7.9 thousand retweets. Here's what it said. Maybe saddling an entire generation of kids with debt and no hope of joining the property class while sending them to institutions that marinate them in neo-Marxist ideology wasn't such a good idea. Yeah, I don't think it was. This is what's going on in colleges. People are being indoctrinated into these ideologies. Indoctrination has now taken precedent over learning. It's kind of funny how colleges, they used to teach critical thinking. Now they're critical of thinking. In fact, I don't even think they ever taught critical thinking. Now that I think about it, because these colleges were set up, these schools were set up to churn out factory workers, to create good, obedient workers that followed the rules, stayed in line, did what they were told. It was never about thinking outside the box. It was never about critical thinking. I mean, sure, they say they say you learn critical thinking. Words don't mean... Shit, they don't mean anything. Words are the disguise, remember. Take this lesson from Robert Greene. Here's another tool. Words are only a disguise. Look past them. Words mean very little. Actions mean a lot more. And the actions of the education system over the past 150 years don't really support them teaching critical thinking. They really don't. They are critical of thinking. They want you to go to school Pay them good tuition dollars, tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, in fact. Get a job, make $50,000 a year, pay your taxes, invest in uh, some good mutual funds, some high-fee mutual funds. And if you step off the path, if you want to do something, anything, that doesn't involve you giving them your money, then you're the oddball. You're wrong. It's funny, Harvard put out an article a couple of weeks ago, the headline was something along the lines of beware of homeschooling. <laughs> well, I wonder, I wonder why uh, they put that out. Anyway, they don't even care that they, they don't care what you end up doing. You know, they say they care about their, the success of their graduates, but they really don't. And I'll tell you why they don't remember words mean very little, but here's why they don't care. They don't care because you already handed over tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in tuition. They already got paid and they are not getting paid anymore whether you make $100,000 or you make $15,000. It doesn't matter to them. On the contrary, let's say, you know, why don't they, like, why don't colleges, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Why don't you, if you really think that you prepare young people to be successful in the real world, why don't you do this? Free college, now, I'm not a socialist, but free college, and then for X amount of years afterwards, after graduation, the student will pay you 
a percentage, say 12% of their salary. And you could end up doing really, really well for yourself if you actually prepare these students for success in this progressive new age of business and life that we find ourselves in. But they don't want to put their money where their mouths are. They really don't. So back to what started all this, critical thinking. That's why Growth Mindset University exists, to uh, teach critical thinking and to teach the lessons that we should have learned in school but didn't. So again, let's not lose sight of that cause. And again, thank you for taking this journey with me. I appreciate you. And back to what this episode today is all about. I talk about a lot of the interviews that we've done on Growth Mindset University in this interview. So the links to all of the interviews that Jess and I talk about are going to be in the show notes today at jordanparis.com slash EP189. Again, that's jordanparis.com slash EP189 for links to listen to all the interviews that Jess and I talked about today. Now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jess Larson on innovation and leadership. Today on the show, we've got Jordan Paris. He's the founder of Trend Up Media. We're going to be asking him about being in the business of helping other people do podcasts, but he's got a super successful podcast himself. Jordan, do you want to talk a little bit about, I don't know, who your favorite guests are that you've had at Growth Mindset University? Well, Jess, first, thank you. And then also thank you for allowing me to name drop and talk about my favorite thing in the world, Growth Mindset University. The podcast is just the the joy of my life along with my business, Trend Up Media. They are my my children, my babies, they really are. And yeah, some of my favorite guests on Growth Mindset University, you know, I've interviewed Mark Manson, the author of The Subtle Art of You Know What, twice in the last couple of years. James Altucher, we did that in, in-person interview in front of a live audience in New York City at that, at the, they have a little podcast theater at the comedy club, Stand Up New York. And Can, uh, can we talk Green. about him for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm fascinated with him because he makes me not feel bad about my ADHD, you know? <laughs> so what what was that like compared to what you thought it would be like? Yeah. I can't believe, you know, look, I'm, I'm 22 years old. I'm a young guy. At that time, actually, that interview, I was 21 years old. And just the way that he looked at me so intently, like so 100% there was, it, it, it felt good. And he's like, actually a good guy. Like that made me realize like, you know, people say, don't meet your heroes. I've not had a bad experience ever. And James was like, James really proved that to me. Meet your heroes. I'd looked up to him for a very long time, been listening to him for a very long time on this podcast, never thinking I'd have my own podcast or interview him, much less on it. And to, and you know, it wasn't just in that interview, it was just like afterwards, the way that he's like maintained the relationship has been really, really cool to see. Yeah. Just the, the whole experience was, was pretty magical with like, you know, having close to 20 people there in the, you know, it was a very small studio, but in you know, a real intimate space. And just, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was magical, like I said. Yeah. You know, and I'm just realizing some people may not be as big a nerds as us for this kind of stuff. For, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know James Altucher and running hedge funds and working at HBO and these best selling books, like in your mind, what does he stand out for to you? Yeah. 
interviewing. That's what it is, you know, and I under, obviously I understand his background and he probably has a lot of connections to some of the people that you've had on your show. Cause I know you've interviewed, you know, CEOs of public companies and whatnot. And, you know, cause I've, I've listened to uh, a few, you know, like with Eric Yuan, I, I don't know how you say his last name, but you know, yep. Zoom, Zoom CEO and, and uh, NASDAQ CEO. And yeah. Yeah. So I've listened to a few and I'm sure, you know, he, so, so I, like, I appreciate that side of him too. You know, it's really cool. Like he has a great, great background there. Lots to learn, but interviewing because the skill that I care about the most in my life is interviewing. It is my painting. It is my art interviewing. And I may not be the best at it. You know, people, some people say I'm not, some people say, wow, I really am. But it seems to be one of those polarizing things. Like that's the most, that's the thing I get the most comments on. It's either like boring interviewer, walking cliche, (laughs) nothing original, or it's like, wow, your interview skills are what set your show apart. And that's what I get most of the time. And I'm just constantly trying to get better at that and studying people like James, but James is just the person that I study the most in terms of interview skills uh, and style of interview. I love that from him. Like I just, I, the, the way that he, he like thinks out loud. He's, he's not afraid to like say something stupid and just abundantly, abundantly curious. Like his curiosity makes the show. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Mm. He is just like his like untamable curiosity. Right? Oh, yeah, untamable. Uh, that's a great word. And and what it, what great things that he has done for the space of podcasting. You know, I I actually wasn't that tuned into him, and then when I heard he got the president of the United States on his show, it's like, thank you for adding so much credibility to our world. You know. What uh, president of the United States did Obama. He, show? he had no Obama way. on his show. What? Hold on, I gotta go on my browser right now. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, maybe maybe you're gonna maybe I'm getting this wrong. No, I'm really quite sure he got Obama on the oh, show. But I'm what's looking. what's interesting to me is how he he's very he has like a very much an abundance mindset. Like he's willing to share how he does it and his wins and his fails and and he says like, Oh yeah, there's some people I had to reach out to forty four times before they came on the show. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, this guy's got one of the top shows in the world and he has to do that. Maybe I should like have different expectations about, you know, a different mindset when I don't hear back from somebody the first time. Right. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard him speak very candidly about that too. Yeah. It's great. It's a very hopeful thing too. Yeah. So we're just going to go through a few of the people that have been on your show that I'm super jealous of you and that everybody should go to your show and listen to. So uh, next one here, Robert Greene. Like his book yeah. Mastery, I mean, I like his other books, but his book oh. Mastery is the one that really like made me the super fan. Um, Unbelievable book. What was he like? The kindest person, one of the kindest people I've ever met. I don't want to use like like extreme terms, like the kindest or the rudest. Like I, I, yeah, yeah. Actually, like quick side note is that like people who speak in extremes like that, like everything's, it's always the best or the worst day. Or <laughs> this person, the kindest or the the rudest person. Like those, that's actually like a, a hallmark trait of a narcissist, which I actually, I like learning about narcissism from Robert Greene also in The Laws of Human Nature. But Robert Greene, and it's something that I picked up in his, in you know, in preparing for that interview, in his other interviews, that he is very thoughtful, very considerate, and does will do his homework on at least minimally on the host 
and just very, very kind and will build you up and, and, and very specific in his praise too. And, you know, if I may toot my own horn here to be, to be called self-aware and intelligent by Robert Greene was like, you know, a guy who wrote the laws of human nature, mastery, 48 laws of power to be called that by him was like, that did it for me. Like it's all downhill from here now. Mm-hmm. So he's, so, he's very kind. Yeah. So I'm interested having read his books, being familiar with him. And I say, and look, I say he's kind because like, I don't think I'm those things, <laughs> but he says it anyway. You know what I mean? That's fun. So having read his books, being familiar with him before you had him on the show, what stood out to you? Like what nugget? I don't know if you find this. I find mm-hmm, that like mm. I have these people on the show, on our show, and I think I know what they're going to say. And I, some of them I've read their book multiple times, right? And then for some reason, when they're actually in conversation with me and they say the same thing I've heard multiple times, it just sticks so much more for me. There's something about that in-person human connection that just listening to it on Audible hadn't done for me. Did you have any of that moments with any of those kind of moments with him? Is there anything that like you yeah. came away from the interview going, man, that I didn't see that. I didn't expect that. Yeah. So this spun off of a chapter in, by the way, this is already like you, you've already grabbed me as a, as a guest on this podcast. Like I, I don't think that we've I've ever had an interview quite like this, like where we go through and talk about like lessons like this. Like, this is really interesting for me, even. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'd imagine it's 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 interesting uh, for the listener too. But Robert, you know, we came upon this subject that I did not expect to come on, and it is like I said, a spinoff, or, or you know, at least adjacently related to one of the chapters in his book, The Laws of Human Nature which is like one of my favorite books ever. That's why I've mentioned it like three, four times now. And he starts talking about social justice warriors, Robert did. You know, you're familiar with a social mm-hmm. justice warrior, right? Okay. So, you know, they're, he start, and he starts talking like, oh, they're, they're, always, they're always so in favor of the right causes. They're so moral. They're so righteous. They're always on the right side of things. But behind that facade, that's what it is. A facade is generally the opposite. They're filled with all this hatred and jealousy. And it's from one of the laws of human nature where he explains how generally under the emphatic trait lies the opposite. So an example in my life is, you know, there's this, there's this person, this girl's uh, boyfriend that, that our friend group knows that, you know, anytime, you know, someone's like, you know, that he even just perceives any slight he's a narcissist. You know, he's hypersensitive to any perceived slight. That's also a hallmark trait of a narcissist. It's probably the hallmark trait. And so he's hypersensitive and his go-to line is, I'll beat the crap out of you. He says it to to everyone. Like if he hasn't said that to you, like, like, geez, you know, and, and generally, and, and so like what, what's under that? It's extreme insecurity. It's the complete opposite of what you would, of, of what's being portrayed. So does that make sense? Yeah, I think about that in my own life. And I think about how I've had to intentionally pursue humility and read books and have coaching and CEO advisors and stuff. And I, I've gained such a interest in it. And I see the value of it. And I would like to extol it. And in certain ways, I think it's one of my struggles is like, you know, you look at people are talented at so many things, right? And, you know, the skills, the skills I was born with, our world happens to pay a lot of money for, you know, if you can 
if you can build multi-million dollar investment funds, you can get paid a lot of money to do it, right? Yeah. And so there's like, I think about my own insecurities as a kid. And like when I was 10, I moved from like this, I I used to live in Edmonton, Alberta during the Wayne Gretzky years, okay? And then I moved to this tiny little farm town of like, I moved from a city of a million to a farm town of 3,000. And all of a sudden, like wearing neon and being a skateboarder isn't cool. Wearing plaid and being a football player is cool. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of the cool kids anymore. And it got so under my skin to like, you know, I wasn't one of the nerds, but I can, I call myself, I was like one of the faceless masses, you know, in between. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was so annoyed at being discounted for so many years after that, that like, I, I like overdid it trying to become successful. Right. And I I feel you. I did the same thing in my early twenties. I, I was like, straight out misleading people about how well I was doing, you know, like Mm. just this side of lying. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like trying Mm. to get people to come to this conclusion, which I can't imagine I fooled hardly anybody, but this like insatiableness, because I think I figured out like after, after college. So, you know, my insecurity showed up as like, well, I'm going to become the best snowboarder anybody around here has ever heard of. And I was the first kid to drop cliffs and I was the first kid to land backflips. And I was the first kid to do, Switch 540s or, you know, these things that I decided were important, right? Yeah. Then in my, you know, after high school, I figure out, you want to know the ultimate way to keep score? Be rich. So I was like, I'm going to become the yeah. richest guy. I'm going to be the richest guy anybody anybody in my high school has <laughs> ever heard of, you know? And I spend the first years of my 20s, like, pretending I'm doing well and I'm just about to break through when I'm like, you know, doing terrible, like I'm like in multi-level marketing <laughs> yeah, bit oh jobs my after God. my, it's oh like Amway on the God. internet after my sales <laughs> job during the day. Right. But the nature of this, like just insatiableness is I actually do gain some pretty good sales skills. And I ended up getting headhunted and uh, by, by Citigroup and ended up on a mergers and acquisitions team for them, talking CEOs into letting Citigroup sell their companies, you know? And Mm -hmm. which, which let me, got me into selling investments, which got me into running my own investment firms. And like that, like insatiableness actually turned into cash at some point. And when I started making a lot of money and I had like this desperation to believe I was special, all of a sudden, like people start treating you different when, when you are, you know, in the point, you know, you're not just in the 1%, but you're in a, you know, a higher level of the 1% of income earners in the country, right? People treat you different. So if you want to believe you're different, you've got this external evidence. Anyways, it was not good for humility and Jess. So I then had to like go pursue it later. Yeah. I want to, I want to comment on that and the overcompensation that like, look, I'm still very much recovering from that. Like I said, I'm only 22 and you know, for the longest time, like, I mean, I wasn't a cool kid in high school. I had one friend. And so I was like, prove them wrong was my, I would post quotes, like prove them wrong. Like, like with, with like, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, on stage, like it was like the background of like, you know, one of those quotes <laughs> and like looking real powerful. And I, and like, that's how I lived. And I had to constantly, I wanted to show maybe on Instagram or Facebook how, you know, how I was being successful and, and I needed to tell people and what rests under that? Well, insecurity. And again, so generally the opposite rests under the emphatic trait. And so I think, I think I've done a 
very good job of reeling that in over, I want to say the past year and, you know, following the fourth law of power, say less, always say less than necessary. Now I really, I really don't, I don't really care. I don't really, I don't really show and tell. I, first of all, when I'm out, like I don't, dude, I don't say crap. I'm, I'm a normal person when I'm out. Like I don't, I don't name drop unless people are like, you know, coming up to me and talking about people. I like bottom bottom line is I let people find out for themselves. Now I don't say crap. I don't try to prove to anyone that that like, Oh, I'm this like, you know, like, Oh, I'm important. You know, I don't have that anymore. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah. You know, someone, I, someone else I'm super, well, there's so many people that you've had on the show that I'm, I'm, Wish I uh, wish I'd had the chance to have a conversation with. Uh, Honestly, next one was, with your show. <laughs> well, we we'll have to change, exchange lists here. We will. Uh, We're gonna talk after. Tell me, tell me with Naveen Jain. Can you tell me oh, something yeah. that maybe if if I had just followed him elsewhere, I wouldn't have heard something that had been on your show or something that like, what's something you learned from that conversation? Yeah, that one was. That one was interesting because we, I mean, we really talked. So let's back up. Let's tell everybody who he is, who doesn't know. So he's the billionaire CEO of Viome Moon Express, which is a private company that's granted permission to leave our atmosphere or space or or, 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 Earth. I don't know. No, not Earth's orbit, but our atmosphere, yes. And a lot of other companies that, yeah, yeah. a lot of Used to work with Microsoft with Bill Gates, all sorts of things. Yeah. Went off his own self-made guy. Yeah. So we talked, it was very futuristic, our conversation. And this was uh, summer 2019. And he was just telling me about these nanobots that are going to be in our bodies that, that, you know, that, that attack or that detect the senescence cells. What is the definitions of, the definition of senescence? Senescence cells. So senescence is the condition or process of deterioration with age. So senescence, loss of a cell's power of division and growth. And pretty much they're like not good for the body. And so pretty much he's, he's telling me about these nanobots that are going to be in our bodies detecting all this stuff in real time, detecting like cancer cells in real time at the first sign of them. And they're just going to be eliminated. And he's telling me in summer of 2019, how this is going to be a thing in like 10 years, right? <laughs> and then we also talked about life on the moon or... or no, do we? Yeah, did we talk about life on the moon or life on Mars? No, I think I know he's Elon got a Musk pretty good Mars collection guy. Of, of moon rocks. Yes. Okay. So he's the moon. Naveen is very much the moon guy, and like I said, Elon Musk is is more Mars obsessed. But yeah, he was t- telling me about these uh, about moon rocks. Yes, and and how like they'll be in. The, they're going to be like there's going to be like engagement rings made out of of moon rocks, like because. You know what? What's what better sign of of love than than the moon? I or, or so he said. Yeah, I, I, it was really interesting. A, a conversation that I've never had before, and have since not replicated. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit bad for you because I'm putting you on the spot, and I hadn't warned you who I was going to ask you about. Uh-oh. And for me, <laughs> I have to like go back and review old interviews lots of times to remember what it was. I'm like, oh, I love that person. Man, that was like 75 interviews ago. What did we talk about? <laughs> you know, right? Right. So if I do that to you, don't feel bad. Just tell me, you know what, Jess? I don't not not remembering that one as much. You know, I know we like to break the the show up into two parts. So we're gonna we're gonna end mm-hmm. off here in just a second for part one and, and then jump into part two. Ooh, 
two bucks. Mm. Yeah, but I guess the question is I would have is for people who haven't gone out and interviewed their heroes or haven't been able to just go out and interview folks from from diverse backgrounds, you were obviously attracted to it in the first place. But in what ways has it been even better than you expected? I mean, it's the relationships that I've just been able to build. I can text Dean Graziosi and whole answer. I can text Robert Green and whole answer. I can, I like, you know what? I, I can text the biggest porn star in the world. I could get on FaceTime with her tonight if I wanted to. Like I've, I've done that, you know, like it's just, I, I will say, you know, and it sounds immature to say, but I will say that as a loser in high school, this who still has a little bit of hurt feelings deep down, <laughs> I will say that it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, I, I was ignored by the popular kids in high school, but by the most popular people in the world, they ain't ignoring me. And I, I feel vindicated. You know what I mean? <laughs> so tell me if people want to and, and go the, actually, oh, 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 and, and go they're really cool people. They're really inspiring people. Like when you hang around these people, like you just naturally gravitate upwards in in what you strive for and what you do and the, your quality of work, like because you feel inferior in their presence. And I do. Every week I feel inferior with whoever I'm having on the podcast. And it's a great thing. Yeah. Well, if people want to listen to these episodes or they want to have their own podcast and pay you guys to produce it for it, what are the what are the best two websites for them to go check out? Yeah. So trendup.media is my company website for trendup media. So instead of com, it's dot media, trendup.media. And yeah, you'll you'll find everything there. You can literally book right now a free consultation. You could literally be talking to me tomorrow or the next day. Grand I have availability. And yeah, that's the website. Great. Well, everybody, please tune in to part two. We're gonna keep asking Jordan questions about these great guests he's had. Thanks everyone. This is part two of our interview with Jordan Paris. If you missed part one, please go back and learn about trendup.media. It's his website for his company where he will produce your podcast for you. And probably the bigger subject of our conversation is his podcast called Growth Mindset University. Jordan, I'm looking through your list again here on your website on jordanparis.com. And a guy who doesn't historically hasn't done a lot of interviews for quite some time that is pretty awesome in my books. Can you tell us talking to Derek Sivers, any, oh any takeaways gosh. that you got from Derek? Oh, my well, for, first let's tell people who he was, you know, built the first online music company, sold it for $20 million, 22, 22 million. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, Ted talks with millions of views, super inspirational guy to me, at least anything else you'd add about who he is before you jump into a takeaway. Yes. And it leads into the, what, what we talked about. He's, he's essentially retired now, whatever that word means, retired, and he lives wherever. I forget where he was living when I talked to him. It was somewhere super, super obscure, very far north above Europe. I don't, dude, I don't even like, I don't even know. Maybe it was like Greenland or something. I, dude, I, I, I really don't know. And I also don't know my geography. I hope I didn't embarrass myself there, but we we did talk about you know what the word retired really means and i was like i was like questioning him i was like does it mean to be tired again like <laughs> retired or like or like uh you know you're putting on new tires i think is i think he said maybe or maybe i'm making that <laughs> up in my mind 
And uh, so we talked about that. You know, I, I can't remember too many takeaways from you know from, from talking about that word. But we so what stuck out to to me was I mean we just had a very wide wide ranging conversation for an hour and a half. One of my favorite ever. You know, he doesn't he instead of like you know maybe you post something, Jess, and you know you give credit back to like like oh I got this concept from Dr. Cialdini. I got this from Robert Cialdini. You know, he talks about this and. In, in his book, uh, Persuasion or whatever. I literally did that the other day on a post. But Derek says, I mean, dude, if you're paraphrasing, if you're putting it into your own words, then don't don't you don't you don't have to cite anyone and you and you shouldn't. Like I he was like, I hate seeing it like it's 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 almost like irrelevant. Like it's it's not necessary. If you put it into your own words, like it's it's yours. And I actually don't know that I fully agree with him, but that's, and, and he could make a much better argument for it. And he did, but I, like I said, I don't know that I fully agree with him, but I have definitely, it's definitely something that stuck with me and something that I do think about. We also talked about in that episode, like introversion, you know, cause him and I are both introverts and uh, you know how we both deal with that. And so that was therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's fascinating to me because as a guy who has been very financially successful, but hasn't been sucked into the shoulds, you know, like he's he's fascinating to me because he's so insightful and he's interested in progress, but he's kind of been able to like escape the rat race of he's not just pursuing what the mainstream media says you should pursue or what the business media says you should want. And, you know, he made a bunch of money but isn't that worried about money? And he just has such a, he has such a unique approach to life. No wonder he, he stands out so much, you know, uh, uh, one of, and I, I've, I've said this, I mean, cause so here's why I reached out to him. I, you know, I heard him on Tim Ferriss's show many years ago and every year I would go back and listen to that interview. I can remember places that I was where I would, where, where I listened to that interview. Like I could think of several places right now while listening to that interview over the years. And like actually three places kind of, that's crazy. Like, like I think every time I listen to that interview, I remember where I was, <laughs> but I, so I've said it since then. I, I said it before our interview. I said it when he followed me on Twitter. I was like, damn, Derek Sivers followed me on Twitter. I've long thought him to be one of the greatest thinkers ever. Um, like he's, I, I view him very much as like, and he, he would cringe at hearing this, but I think it's, I mean, it's just an analogy, like a modern day, like Plato or Aristotle, like a modern day philosopher of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's one of the greatest thinkers and unique thinkers out there, as you allude to. Yeah. There's so many great thinkers who their stuff is awesome, but it's, it's somewhat expected for their vein. And that's a guy who consistently says awesome stuff that, I was not expecting, you know. It's, it, yeah, he's very contrarian sometimes, like very, just very different, and and, and not expect original is the word actually. Super original. Yeah, I feel like. <clears throat> do you know this guy uh, Stephen Johnson wrote the book "Where Good Ideas Come From"? Does that one ring a bell at all? Nah, but the name does. Great author, best-selling author. TED Talks are super awesome. In fact, I totally recommend everybody going to the Royal Society of the Arts, the RSA like whiteboard video of his book, where good ideas come from. It's on YouTube. It's awesome. But he talks about this idea of like how the best innovation that's happened in the world 
is very often somebody goes and works on something by themselves, and then they go bump into a whole bunch of other people's ideas, whether they live in New York and they're going to parties or galleries or events or conferences or whatever. But he calls that a liquid network where he's like, Mm -hmm. there's like a direct correlation to the more crazy different ideas someone has when they go back and work on their stuff. They're so much like they're likely to come up with something so much more original compared to the group think of what they do already. And I guess for me, I feel like the show is like my own liquid network. Like, you know, Derek Sivers pursues so many different hobbies and interests, right? And it's got to contribute to his original thinking. And so like in the, in a way, this show is kind of like my hopes to be able to bump into ideas that I wouldn't normally have bumped into. Anyways, I, I really respect that about him. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe another one I'd want to talk about next is again, maybe a a methodology to life that I wouldn't have naturally come by, but found really attractive. Can you talk about Dan Millman? Oh yeah, man. Just enough. I, I, I keep finding that when you bring up these people, the word kind comes to mind. Like mm. obvious with Robert, we talked about how kind Robert was extensively. I didn't say it about Naveen, but just Naveen, very, very kind. And, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, everyone that, that you've mentioned. And, and James, of course, gosh. But Dan, yeah. Got him at a good time, too, because I very well may have been the last interview that he's done even to this day because he's really not taking – he hasn't been taking interviews for a while because he's been working on his, his final book ever. And he, you know, he made an exception for, for me and my show because I kind of just showed him like how much I cared – when I reached out to him, kind of, you and, know. and I guess I keep forgetting. We got to do this every time. Wrote author of the Peaceful Warrior, which turned into mm-hmm. a movie, which yeah, is, you know, has been like a. It's been one of those cult classic books that has just lasted for years, right? And just yeah, it's yeah, kind of one, one of those perennial seller books, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at my my favorite shelf of books right here. Mark Manson's The Subtle Art is number one, and number two is the Peace Way of the Peaceful Warrior. So, so question on this one is it is it takeaways again? Yeah, let's let's start there. Yeah, yeah. So with him, yes, I said kind. But moving on in, you know, around the 38, 39 minute mark in my podcast with him in September of 2019, he performed a magic trick with us. And I don't want to spoil it for people, but people should really like they got to listen to that episode. They got, if at the very least, like skim to like 36 minutes to be safe and listen for like the next four minutes and, and you'll hear it. And it's jordanparis.com slash EP139, episode 139. And he performed this magic trick where at the end of a couple of minutes, you know, he just leaves you absolutely befuddled. Like, how did that happen? Like, like for, for a second, you're like in absolute awe. And then the next second, you're like, okay, how did that happen? And the lesson there, he describes it very eloquently in a way that I really can't. So that's why you have to listen to. But we, yeah, I really can't describe it. It's like our brain, it, it can't just be happy. It can't just be like in awe. It has to like immediately go into like, like, all right, how is this logical? How did that just happen? You know, like, <laughs> so like we, we can't just let ourselves like enjoy it. 
So it, having yeah, it, it was it was really cool. Yeah, having been a fan of his books and then going and spending time with him, did you leave thinking I've got to do more of this or this is what I need to do next? Mm. No, not really. Actually, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it's you know, it is hard. Like as much as I would like to with every guest, it you know, it doesn't always happen just because like the level of research that I do, like, like I've read several of his books, like his main works. And uh, so, you know, while the goal is to always get something new out of my guests and something new and original that might not be in those books, you know, it doesn't always happen. Number one and number two, I might not always remember. Yep. Um, there might be, if I went to, if I went to listen to that again, which I actually did like two months ago and I was like, I forget what I was sad about, but I, I listened to it and it, it instantly picked up my mood. But if I listened to it today, I'd, I'm sure I could pick something out. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you've had different people. You know, we, we've had some, obviously some people have been on my show, been on your show, Philip Stutz and others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. I'm, I'm interested. So my partner at our investment fund, Greystoke, Lindsay Hadley, is really good friends with, with Amanda Slavin that you had on. Oh, yeah. And uh, Amanda had me to this cool thing. She was, when she was partnered with the billionaire that started Zappos, Tony Shea, they were doing mm -hmm. this thing where they were, they curate these groups and, and uh, they put us up in Vegas for a week in North Las Vegas to kind of show mm -hmm. the Vegas that's not on the strip. You know, we got to go, hey, we actually got to go hang out with Tony at his, meet Tony at his, in his personal apartment, which was a little interesting. But it's just this fun week. I'm, I'm interested in, how you chose her or how that connection happened yeah. or, or anything there. Yeah. Interesting. You asked first off, Amanda and I, like we really hit it off in, in our episode and yeah, she was really spectacular. And I was actually introduced to her, somebody that I like barely know that I've, you know, had a couple of conversations with about like potential collabor collaborations, you know, for like a couple of events that he was putting on and, whatnot soon you know we we talked on the phone a couple of times only and uh, but this guy's a power connector and he's constantly like thinking of people not just me thinking of people making introductions for for them and like and and letting those relationships run and and he's done that for me several times actually and but this one is probably my favorite introduction that he's ever made for me and and yeah so we were we were put in contact that way just an intro man she she's a super connector as well right yeah, Amanda is, yeah. So I, I feel like we could just use up all the time going through all these people. Dude, I, ha I, I have some different questions for you, though. May maybe we'll do one last one. Okay. okay. I, <laughs> I think that Near Y'all has oh, got yeah. one of the best brains currently. Like, the, the I, I especially like Took. His other books have been good, but Hooked was just so interesting to me, the level of thinking that he put into that. Any takeaways or any anything special about having actually talked to the guy? Yes. First of all, he's very good at articulating ideas and not using the word. Very, very great thinker. Methodical, almost. Yeah. And and the way that he marketed this is not the takeaway, but the way he marketed that book, Indistractable, it was, and I'm sure you saw it, Jess, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere for a while. And this was again, September, 2019 when it came out September 10th. And I, I couldn't believe the amount of people that were talking about it from Gretchen Rubin writing an article about it. And, and, and every pot, 
podcast. Here's what he did. This is exactly what he did. This is really valuable for people. Because I asked him too. I was like, what are the what are the top three things you did, you know, with releasing this this book? When I was re- releasing my most recent one in January, I, I asked him what are the top three things, the top three needle movers. And number one was podcast. Number two was press. I forget the third. Number one, okay, books or, or, or podcasts. He he would go on someone's podcast and then ask them to release it the week of September 10th, hold it till then. And then he would follow up via email, very kind, thoughtful, short-ish, and ask if the podcaster knows anyone that would appreciate the introduction to him. And that's how I got introduced to him. And then he did that with me. He asked me to release it September 10th and then followed up a little bit later and asked, you know, if anyone would appreciate the introduction, what did I do? I introduced him to several podcasters. And so it snowballed for him, obviously. And it was a Wall Street Journal bestseller, Indistractable was. And it still got great legs today. But my takeaway from him was this concept that he talks about called schedule syncing. Like you say you care about family time, you care, you care about your, your family, man, you care about, or, or gal, you, you care about your family, friends, uh, you care about exercising, you know, that's really important to you, but it ain't in your calendar. Why don't you sync your calendar with your values? And then you'll be more likely to live out your values uh, of your ideal self. That, that you think of in your mind. So I, you know, you put that stuff in your account. I put, like, I put, you know, friend, like if I'm just, if I'm going drinking <laughs> even <laughs> with a, with a friend, like we're, we're having a, a party day, at, maybe at the beach, that's in my calendar. It just is like, like I would do when the gym was still open, you know, I would go to, F, when I went to F45, the, 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 the boutique fitness studio and, you know, where, where they have like these small classes there, you know, what would be in my calendar? Well, 7 a.m. at 45 session with a heart next to it would be, uh, that would be the icon for it. That'd be in my calendar every morning or, or the mornings that I was gone. And so I've learned to, number one, I put every, every, everything in my calendar. I live out of my calendar now. And number two, everything's in there, not just like work stuff. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm interested because you are interested in the art of interviewing. You know, mm. I, I like, once we started, once I started doing this, I would like actively search YouTube for like, what has Katie Couric ever said about being a good interviewer? What is so-and-so oh. said? And these different people, you know, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I was not a Larry King interviewer who was, who was going to try to jump in. And so it's really hard because mm-hmm. I get excited and I want to interrupt people and I still yeah. do, unfortunately. But like, I have tried to be more of like a Charlie Rose where he's like, he'll let Brad Pitt go as long as he wants to kind of a thing. Are there are there specific interviewers you may you named James Altucher already? Are there interviewers that you look up to or anything about like the style you're you're trying to pursue? Yeah, I will talk about the tr- the style that I'm trying to pursue in a second. But I look up to yes, James Cal Fussman. You've heard of him? You know him, right? Mm-hmm. Which actually, oh my god, I, re- I remembered as I was falling asleep last night. He told me like four months ago to reach back out to him in the summer. Cause he, he was writing a book. That's why he didn't do my podcast. Then I got to reach out to him again. Cal Fussman. Yes. Larry King, sometimes Joe Rogan actually, and Howard Stern. Those are the core people that I look up. Oh, oh, oh. and here's one that's just going to throw people for a loop that no, no one would ever guess this, you know, from Drake and Josh, Josh Peck, he does some, th- he's got a podcast now called curious 
with Josh Beck, he does some things real well. And I admire his interview style. And yeah, big time. And, but yeah, as far as my own style, yes, I study, I study them. I really do. But it would be a mistake to try to pursue one of their styles, to try to emulate one of their styles. Because, and this is something that I, I had a conversation with Alex Benayan from, he wrote the book that the third door, the third door, he wrote that book. And he's good friends with Cal Fussman. And Alex got this from Cal. And Alex and I talked about this. And I assume uh, Cal and I will talk about it one day too. And it's that, you know, you see, you know, most people, they see the interview style of Oprah or Larry or, or, you know, they see all these interview styles out there and they try to emulate that style, but they, they're missing the point. They don't, they fail to realize that these people like Oprah and Larry King and, and Cal, they have their own interview styles. Like their interview styles are the way they are because that is what makes them the most comfortable in their seat which in turn makes the guest most comfortable in their seat, which makes for a great interview. So it would be a mistake to try to emulate someone else's style and instead <laughs> you know of that makes just me being think of, you. Yeah. Do you know uh, Austin Cleon wrote the book, Steal Like an Artist? Oh, I, I, know, I know the book. Okay. I don't know the author, but yeah. So, so great. Actually, I got to reach out to that guy. But he, I love what he says about like, you know, if you look at your heroes and you steal from one of them, they'll say, oh, he's the next so-and-so. But if you steal, oh, yeah. if you steal from a hundred of them, they'll say, oh, he's so original. Like Derek Siver style. Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting way to think of like, you know, try, try to learn what we can, try to learn what we can because people have put in the hours ahead of us. They've spent the time, they've learned so many things. But but kind of like cherry pick, you know, cherry pick this from them, that from so and so, this from someone else, you know, and mm-hmm. and just being who we are, we can't help but create something different. If we if we try to recombine those perfectly, it's still not going to work because our personality is going to show through, and it'll become us, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, may, maybe one last guy here to to end off with. I am such a fan of Rand Fishkin's last book, Lost and Founder. Oh Founder. yeah, man. And Dude, just I read that book too. Great book. And just like how authentic for him to write a book saying being a founder isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> My yeah. shares are worth forty five million dollars, and I live on a hundred grand a year because we don't we haven't had right. an exit event. And you know, yeah. everybody yeah. likes to poo poo service businesses. When let's, let's go through the math and he goes through the math, you know, he was talking about forever, like the whole book, like how he's not rich. (laughs) Well, how, how different than like the Instagram of today where it's all look at Mm. me, look at me. And, Mm. you know, if anything, people are exaggerating, you know, people are constantly exaggerating and trying to form this image of themselves in the mind of others. And he's just like raw authenticity and just like radical self-honesty i feel like it was a yes. gift to me as a, as a reader and i never met the guy yeah i imagine it, that was a fun interview an absolute gift and it absolutely comes across in when you're interacting with him and and, and thus in in my interview with him and uh, yeah just very very humble soft-spoken guy kind of like derek sivers in a way almost like similar voices too, kind of, and, 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 and speaking patterns and vocal tonalities. It's interesting. I, I'm only realizing this now, but I actually got from him like 
and I'm sure you remember this from the book, but when he's talking about MVPs, minimum viable products, how they ran, you know, they, they tried a, a minimum viable product at, at Moz when they had like 90,000 subscribers or something like that. I'm just throwing out the number. I might be dead on. I might be completely off. And, you know, it completely failed and they, they, they were recovering, you know, in, in terms of like reputation for like years afterwards, or, or I, I don't know, he might've quantified it, but bottom line is that he was like, when you're, when you're big, when you already have, when you have a, an audience established, like you can't have a minimum viable product. Like, like, yeah, when I was starting a podcast, when I was starting Growth Mindset University over two years ago, I could, I put out something horrible. It sucked. And I could do that because my audience was zero. You might as well just start. You have nothing to lose. Have you ever thought of starting a podcast of your own? Maybe you already have one. But if you haven't, think about that. When I first started Growth Mindset University, it wasn't pretty. Had no idea what I was doing. Wasted a lot of time, money, effort, energy. And it took me years of trial and error to figure things out. I was growing as I was going, as I like to say. So why not skip the line? Jump ahead a couple of years and become a rock star podcaster right now. I have a course all about podcasting called, of course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. And people over the past year have been loving it. Ben says, I have to say that your video was easily one of the most transparent and helpful podcast walkthroughs I've seen. Picked up a lot of useful tactics, more than I originally thought I would. My friend Janiad, he said, Jordan, this course is so good. You've helped me so much in getting my podcast started, and I am eternally grateful for that. And now Janiad's been podcasting for almost a year, and he's doing it the right way. So go to jordanparis.com slash course for free access to my course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. Again, that's jordanparis.com slash course to get access to the free course. And by the way, I have more free resources for podcasters, including a document with 12 interview tips. Visit my company website, trendup.media, instead of .com, it's .media, for access to these free resources. Again, that's trendup.media. Thank you. Like, yeah, when I was starting a podcast, when I was starting Growth Mindset University over two years ago, I could, I put out something horrible. It sucked. And I could do that because my audience was zero. You might as well just start. You have nothing to lose. But if you're a company like Apple, you really can't put out a minimum viable iPhone. Like, you just can't do that. Uh, like you can't well, put yeah, out the, a minimum the market isn't going to be ruin the reputation. Yeah, the market isn't going to be. Sorry, the, the market isn't going to be forgiving, right? Yes, you know, I great think way to put it. The other one too is uh, when he's talking about uh, growth hacking, and he's like, people love to talk about growth hacking. He's like, let me tell you the truth, growth hacking worked. We got a bunch of new people. Guess what didn't happen? They didn't stay because they mm. came for the mm. discount, or they, you know, we got their emotions to get them so, to get them in in the first place. But yeah. they weren't they weren't the ideal person. They got in because of the growth hack and it, it ended uh-huh. up skewing our numbers and we thought we thought we had made it and we were overconfident when these new subscribers brought in with these growth hacking tricks, didn't stay, didn't end up being a benefit to the business, but did waste a lot a lot of time and gave us a false sense of confidence about our future. 
And who else says that? Nobody says that. Everybody says, look yeah. at how great at growth hacking I am, right? Yeah. And that's a that's a very great and important takeaway that I I actually completely forgot from that book. But now that you're bringing it back to the forefront of my mind, I like that's so worth remembering. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been fun. Again, I know we, we've covered it before, but but tell everybody where to go if they want to listen to your podcast and where to go yeah. if they want to hire you to have you guys produce their podcast. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about Growth Mindset University, the podcast and its guests for the past hour. And and man, it just I just have to say thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I've been interviewed over 60, 70 times, and this has by far been the best because you know what? Here, here's the difference between a good podcast host, a good interviewer, and maybe an amateur is this is the question that I've gotten maybe 37 times. What is the one thing, Jordan? What is the one common lesson between all your guests? It's not a bad question. Obviously, you see why people ask that question. But your approach of taking it episode by episode here produced infinitely, infinitely more takeaways than I than I could have ever provided with the former question. Whenever I get the former, sometimes I say I don't know. Actually, most times I say I don't know. Like, and and then and then while the other person's like recovering from me saying I don't know, I think I, I think of this is what I think of. I'm like, oh well. You know, the common theme is that everyone, you know, no, none of my guests are, none of them are victims. You know, they're, they're not victims. Like things happen for them, not to them. And, and which is a very weak answer, a cliche takeaway. Like, so I, I really admire Jess, the way that you conducted this interview uh, with me today, like really admirable. So Growth Mindset University is the podcast. Obviously people know where to find podcasts and uh, trendup.media. If you want us to produce a awesome, I was going to say, I'll use the word badass podcast. (laughs) If you want us to produce one of those for you, we'll do it. And I think we do it better than anyone. Trendup.media, setit.com.media. Love it. Okay, folks. Thanks for listening. Jordan, thanks for making time. Jess, you're the man. Thank you very much. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.